0: Hey, everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. So, my very first home that my wife and I lived in was in Racine, Wisconsin. And for anyone who has a, not from Wisconsin or anybody watching right now from out of state, Racine, Wisconsin is a city, county, north of Milwaukee. If you grew up in Milwaukee and you thought of Racine, you thought, oh, did I say north? It's south of Milwaukee. It's hot in here already, right? South of Milwaukee. And so we lived in Racine County, um, and, and we had this beautiful job, this beautiful church that we got involved with in Racine. And we bought our first home. Now, our first home was those beautiful early 1900s bungalows that, if you know those kind of homes, built like in 1912 and had a lot of character, and that means has issues, right? And so we had this little bitty city plot. And this plot was like no more than like, I don't know, 30 by 30. It wasn't much grass at all that we had. And in the front yard was like on an angled street, so like I could cut it in literally like five minutes. Uh, but it was a really small little plot. And one of the things I wanted to do early on when I started into my home, I, I want to be like a manly man, right? I'm going to have the best yard in all of Racine County. Even though it's like the size of a sidewalk, it's going to be awesome. So I took out there, and we, I'm working on my lawn all the time. Now, have you ever hand-thatched lawn before? It's got like this, this thing, it's got like barbs on it, and you have to like just rip at this grass and if you do this to a lawn that's never been thatched before, I bailed hay with this thing, man. Like, I was out there sweating, and I had blisters, and it was hot, and I'm working my lawn, and then I'm overseeding my lawn. And I had terrible patches. It was all patchy. Like, my yard looked terrible. Like, I would do all this work. I have, like, these beautiful green patches, and we didn't even have a dog that was peeing on it at the time. Like, it was like these beautiful green patches. We have this terrible brown patch. So you'd have to work it and work it. I would do this over and over again. And I'd put seed on it. I would put nutrients in it. And what I found about seed, now I was a newbie. I'm early in my 20s. I thought, hey, that's the cheapest bag of seed I can buy. I'm going to buy that bag of seed. The only thing about cheap seed, it's like maybe 20% seed and 80% weeds. So now I'm doing all this work. I'm putting this seed on and all these weeds are growing up. And every single year, would be the exact same story. I would go out there. I said, my field will look better, my yard will look better than Miller Park. Like, I wanted it to look like you could chip off of it. It was just like this thing I was on. And someone said this quote before. He said, you can either have a great family or a great yard. And I understand why now. (laughs) Because all of my work I put into this thing, it, it never came. Like, no matter how hard I worked, I had all these patches everywhere in my yard. But the key was junk seed. I learned that when you get that junk seed, that that just that real cheap seed from Fleet Farm or wherever you go, that in there is this weed because they don't take the time and the really expensive stuff takes all the time to give you the good seed. But the thing that I struggle with the most with this whole thing, and maybe it's just like my own ego or whatever, is I just kept losing. I don't like losing. I, I don't like it. I'm a Green Bay Packer fan. We're not used to losing. I don't like it. So, so that was for our Chicago and Minnesota fans out there. So I, and to you too, Denver, all I'm saying is that I, I just don't like this loss. And every time I go to, I'm doing all this work. And I feel like I'm just pouring my life into this project to fail over and over and over again. And maybe you've had that situation, that story where you have poured your time and energy into a relationship and you got no return. Or maybe you poured your time, energy, and love into a job and got no return. Or maybe you poured your time, energy, and effort into your garden and had no return. Whatever it is, whenever we pour our time, energy into something and we don't have a return, it makes us want to give up. And I did. I just gave up the battle. I'm not going to win. So I just let it go. Did the best I could. Put on some stuff when I could. Kind of fertilized it, whatever, watered it. It wasn't worth the time. I wasn't going to win. It defeats us. Like there's something inside of us when we go through this kind of story where we're working so hard at something, and we don't see the results we're looking for that just defeats us. And that's what we're going to look into today with our study. We're in Galatians 6, 1 through 10. So if you have your Bibles or Bible apps, uh, feel free to flip there now, Galatians 6, 1 through 10. But I want to give a recap of where we've been for the last three weeks. We're landing up our series in in Galatians. And Paul, this has been a great series. Even though it's been a short series, we've learned a ton. We learned that in Galatia, there's these false teachers out there. And these false teachers were teaching this message that they essentially you have to take all of the old Jewish ways of living, the Old Testament, and you need to now add it into what Jesus taught, and that creates Christianity. And Paul refutes that saying, well, wait a minute. If you do that, then everything Jesus taught us isn't true because he taught us that the cross was sufficient, that all we have to do is believe in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It's not by works you are saved. It's by faith in Christ, Christ alone. There's a tension there because it was hard because you're adding cultural, you're adding uh, old, like your family's line and lineage of being Jewish, and now you're saying, well, what do you mean all of a sudden we don't have to be Jewish anymore? So all this confusion was happening in Galatia. We then look into the problem that this thinking leads into, okay, I am free in Christ, so I get to do whatever I want. Like, now that we're free in Christ, like, I can just keep sinning. Like, we're free, we're forgiven. I'll have to ask Jesus forgive me, and how cool is this? Boom, I'm good with heaven. Now, I'm just going to party hard and live my life the way that I want to. But Paul refutes that. He says, your freedom that you have all received is for the sake of others. Like, why are we so individualistic? Why are we so about ourselves all the time? We can all agree right now, the tensions in our country, in our world, in our county, in your neighborhood, the tensions that we're feeling, you name the issue of tension right now, is by individualism. I, as an individual, am thinking what's best for me and mine. I'm going to get mine, you take care of you, instead of thinking tribal. If I'm thinking tribal, I'm thinking what's best for the community, what's best for all of the people. What's the best for all of America? And this individualistic thinking was happening back then as well. Though they were tribal in being Jewish, they're thinking only about being Jewish. They weren't thinking about, now Jesus has the gospel that goes to Gentiles. And so why in the world do you think, now that you have Christ, you just go on in sinning? Your freedom is so that the gospel can spread throughout the world and more people can know about the greatness of Jesus Christ. So you don't abuse your freedom, you use your freedom to advance the gospel. That's what I just preached, we're done, right? That was just the last couple of weeks summarized. And now we get into this passage in Galatians 6, 1 through 10. It says this, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. But do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please the flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. We start out this chapter with yet another instruction. Paul, in the book of Galatians, as we found out, is very curt like very just blunt. He, he doesn't really soften his words at all. He really kind of goes. It's kind of a harsh book in some sense, but there was a lot of things happening in this church. And so he says to him this. He goes, I want you guys to hear what I'm saying. If anybody's in sin, you have a responsibility to do something huge. You need to restore them gently. That is a key, key word. If you're going to handle someone who's making mistakes, who's struggling, who's going through a hard time, who is completely off the rails, who's doing all the things that you think someone should not be doing as a Christian, you name it. It says what you're supposed to do is walk alongside them and restore them gently. Now, I know there's many here today, and I know there's a lot listening online, who've been to church and been damaged by church because they haven't been dealt with gently. They've had some hurt, some pain, somebody said something, someone gossiped about you, someone talked about you, and you're like, forget it, I'm out of here. And the word that I hear, especially among the younger people of this generation today, is the word hypocrite. You are all hypocrites. And I'm like, where does that word come from? Because I personally like, well, I suck, so I don't know if I'm really, I'm like, I have my issues, I'll tell you all my sin if you want. But, but that isn't norm. Norm is a hypocrite In their minds are saying this. You say you believe in all this stuff. But I know that you have sin issues, yet you're looking at me and you're not loving me through this. You're kicking me out of something, telling me I'm not good enough, talking about me behind my back. Prayer requests, you need to pray for my friend who is doing really bad things. You know what I'm talking about, right? Prayer request forms of gossip and all these kind of things. And so people say, I'm not safe. I'm not safe to even share anything. So then what we do is we go from tribal to individualistic. We pull back and say, I don't want to be part of a tribe that's going to be killing me. Why do Christians eat their own young? Why is it when someone comes to a hurting place, is not the church the very first place that people run to? Like, I'm totally messed up. I made all these mistakes. I'm dying on the vine. Can you help me? Can you be with me? I think we have a history of not being gentle. I think we have a history of pointing and being angry I think we have a history, whether right or wrong. These people's stories are their stories. That there is pain, and this isn't new to us because obviously Paul had to say something about it. If any of you is caught in sin, we're supposed to restore them gently. Can you imagine how that would shift the tide of a church community if that sin in your life, when you say. Jason, I just got to share with you. I'm struggling through something. I'm like, I'm with you. I'm with you. Let's do this together. There's better. I love the word there's better, right? Like what you're in right now, you might think is good, but there's better. Jesus has better. Not being in sin is better. It picks your head up in the morning saying, i got nothing to hide. You go to bed at night, nothing to hide. But when we sin, sin hides. So when you're able to confess your sin and you're in a safe place and say, I'm with you, let me walk with you through this. I believe, friends, it was my whole heart if we did that, we would change the world. We would have a lineup all the way down the street saying, how do I get into Mosaic Church? I'm like, well, we're socially distanced. We only got a couple of chairs, but we'll find something for you. Like, we would find a way. Like, think about the impact you could make if you alone would help restore people in sin gently. It's too many of my friends, too many of the generation below me, too many of the boomer generation too many of the GI generation, you name the generation, they have gone through some church hurt that says, that's something I don't want to be a part of. And most of the stories I hear, and yours could be different, are from someone not being gentle. Someone pointing fingers, causing just a ton of pain. But I want to stop for a second, because there's something here about loving gently. This gentle aspect of this, this vulnerable place that people are in, we see something very, very important, that we are supposed to walk with people and restore them who live by the Spirit. Now, live by the Spirit is a very important word. I'm going to put it back up here on on the screen for you guys, the first verse. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. So maybe there's people who walk in a church who ain't living by the Spirit, flapping their gums, and that caused the pain. Maybe there was a situation that they weren't actually living in the Spirit at all. They don't even know Jesus. They just attend the church. And I can tell you from my aspect of being on staff, I've seen a whole lot of church drama off of people who are not living by the Spirit. I'm not picking on any church. I'm not picking on any denomination. I'm not saying anything like that. You hear my heart what I'm saying right now. I'm saying this. I've been... In those conversations, when people are accusatory, finger-pointing, angry, I'm like, that is not even like how Jesus talks, so I don't know what you are saying. I mean, if we go back in a day, maybe some of my, my older friends right now remember this, and depending on your church experience. Do you remember if a young girl got pregnant, she got kicked out of the church? Do you remember those days? A young girl got pregnant, she wasn't married, would get kicked out. You can't be here. We don't want to be seen like that. Where would this girl go? Should we not be the church and love this girl, walk with her, and and for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ, do everything we can to love her, love this child, love the dad, love the family, pour our love into her, gently restore that group, that family, for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I had friends who were kicked out, and they're like, I'm done with this. Something was going on in Galatia that Paul had to say this. Because when you look at the fruit of the Spirit, we know how we're supposed to act. So think about this. I want you to weigh this for a second. Fruits of the Spirit. You've never heard this before. This is how, when we live by the Spirit, it looks like. It's Galatians five twenty two to 25. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, there it is again, right? Live by the Spirit, let us keep step with the Spirit. So, if there is some sort of sin that's happening in Galatia, if there's some sort of sin that's happening in any of our lives, the way that we do this is by loving, by being joyful, by being patient by being peaceful, by being kind, by being good, by being faithful, by being gentle, and holding self-control. That's what we're supposed to do. But friends, my friends who've been hurt, my friends are like, I'm done. I've been there, done that. I'm over it. There's more books out right now, but I love Jesus and hate the church that I've ever want to see. Because what they're saying is their experience within a gathered group of people was not the experience that they're reading in their Bible. And I'm saying this, Paul had the same problem in Galatia, but let's dream for a second. What if every single person who was broken, hurt, and lost went through terrible things, the first place they call Washington town is Mosaic, and we say we're here to walk with you through those things. That's our job. I'm not here to judge you, brother, because according to Jesus, as soon as I start talking about your problems, i got to talk about my problems. So I can't see your problems because i got so many problems in my own face. So it's not about who sins more and who sins less. By grace, we are saved by Jesus Christ. That's the whole point Paul's been making this whole time. And now he comes to this and say, this is how you restore people in love. Love, patience, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. That is the church we should be. That's what we're commanded to do. And if you aren't living in the spirit, then you don't talk about anything. You don't say, oh, so-and-so. You don't talk. You don't talk because you're not even living by the Spirit. And you guys know the pain that can be caused when we say things that are not of God. I love this passage because it's so clear. There's no wiggle out of this. We're not going to wiggle out of this one today. We're going to make you squirm a little bit. It's hot in here. It's getting hot. I'm preaching. I'm sweating. Let's do this. Okay? Here we go. We're not going to wiggle out of this. We have to love everybody. We have to love everybody. Everybody. You have to love Democrats and you have to love Republicans and you have to love independents and you have to love whatever we make up in our next election because something's going to be made up. You've got to love. We have to love people we don't agree with. We have to love people we have different viewpoints. We have to love. Love wins. Love wins. And for me as a pastor, and Nick and I have been talking about this quite a bit lately, one of my largest struggles in this painful, painful time is how the church of God is not thinking about the kingdom of God. The church of God is not thinking about the kingdom of God. Let me explain that to you. When Jesus came, if you've read the New Testament, he talks about the kingdom of God over and over and over again. Kingdom of God's like this, the kingdom of God's like this, kingdom of God's like this. And we always think about that as heaven. But then we think of the Lord's Prayer. If you guys know the Lord's Prayer, he ends it your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. So this idea that Jesus came, I'm going to bring you a new way of living. Your human way of living, you guys have lived this way, I'm going to change everything. I'm taking God's way and I'm giving you the opportunity to live God's way right now on earth. That's the kingdom of God. And right now the struggle that we're having as a church, friends, and this is social media, this is on the news, is that the kingdom of God is not the foreright conversation we're having. Right now the conversation we're having is the kingdom of man. We're talking about the kingdom of the world. We're talking about the kingdom of the United States of America instead of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the most important thing that we should be focusing on day in and day out because the kingdom of God goes to the fruits of the Spirit. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't vote. I'm not saying you shouldn't. You guys know what I'm saying here. I'm saying that the most important thing in our hearts, our minds, and our focus is the kingdom of God because Jesus came and died for it. He came and died for the kingdom of God to come to earth. He brought down the kingdom of God to earth. He gave us the Holy Spirit so that we can bring the kingdom of God into the world. And so the kingdom of God does not concern itself with the kingdom of man. It's concerned with the kingdom of God, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ being spread throughout the nation and the world. There are too many lost people right now, people who don't know Jesus, people who are broken, people who are hurting, people who are saying, I have nowhere to go, can you please help me? I have too many help me's on my mind to even think about the kingdom of man. Because the kingdom of God rules when you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Now the kingdom of man is what we live in. We have to be engaged in it. We have to talk about it. We have to process it. Not saying disengage. You guys know what I'm saying. I'm saying that our foremost priority is the kingdom of God. Because then it brings us to the fruits of the spirit. And then the fruits of the spirit answer all of our questions. All of our differences. All of our pains, all of our hurts, because it starts with love. It is really hard to love when you post something snarky on Facebook. It's hard to love well. It's hard to love well when someone's hurting you and trolling you. If you don't know what a troll is, besides the big ugly monsters, like trolls are those people who do everything they can to try to get fights going online. That's not the kingdom of God. It says peace. Peace. It says forgiveness, it says goodness, it says faithfulness, it says gentleness, it says self-control. So Paul is in a world, 2,000 years later, we still struggle with the same thing. So it makes you feel better this has been a problem for 2,000 years, it's not new to us. Thank you, Paul. Uh, we suck as much as they did. Same story, right? But then we move on. Because as it's shaping us and it's molding us and these things are coming out of us and we're doing this gently, we're supposed to carry each other's burdens. Think about this. Carrying somebody's burden. What it is not, it is not gossiping. Carrying a burden is not talking about the person. What it is not is sitting down for coffee and saying, oh my goodness, my wife is terrible. Let me tell you everything that's bad about her. That's not carrying each other's burdens. That's gossiping and and that's, that's bad talk about your bride. It's not talking bad about someone. Carrying someone's burden isn't being superior to somebody. Carrying someone's burden means that when somebody's going through something hard, you lift them up and you walk with them. A couple years ago, I went through one of the hardest things in my life. I got completely blindsided, wounded by someone I deeply trusted. And it was a life-crushing, life-altering, it was just unbelievable. It included depression, it, it included me, like, questioning everything about me and, like, I just, I just lost, lost myself. I just lost myself. If you guys have been through those kind of situations. You know what I'm saying? When you've been through something that's hard and you just kind of like lose your way. And I had a friend, Paul. Paul was someone who didn't just give me advice. Paul was someone who walked with me and carried my burdens. He would call me every day. How are you today? And I would talk. Blah, blah, blah. I don't even know what I said, right? Blah, 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 blah. I just let it all out. He said, I don't have answers for you. All I know is I'm supposed to walk with you through this. God just shared that. I got to walk with you through this. I'd call, I'd call the next day. How are you today? Same thing. Call the next day. Same thing. He did this for over a year. And through that time, it got less because I'm be like, oh, I'm actually doing good. i like, cool, I'm going to call you in two days. Cool, I'm going to call you in three days. Cool, I'm going to call you in a week. How are you doing now? I'm good, I'm good. I'm going to call you in a month. I'm going to keep checking on you. He didn't just give me that snap, bam, let's just fix the problem. Here's 25 cents, go buy yourself a gumball. Now you feel better. Yeah, I move on to the next problem. This dude gave his life to me. He gave his time to me. And there was hours upon hundreds of hours I've spent talking with him, processing. And he would at times give wisdom, but then I'd get that email This dude, he's good. This dude then would send an email to me. It would be that verse, hey, I want to encourage you today. Boom, from the word of God. Not Paul's advice, because I love him. He's my homie, but his advice is not as good as the Bible, right? So he would give me advice, and he would give me this scripture verse of encouragement. And then we'd walk through stuff, and I would say, what should I do? Say, here's a suggestion, I think, if you'd like to know. But right now, you should pray about it. Like, this man carried my burdens. Imagine a group of believers that gently, lovingly restore people who are struggling and then walk with you as long as it takes until it's complete. Can you imagine a church like this, a place like this, a community like this, that we walk together through all the hard things? And then my, my friend Paul, I mean, what an example to me, as my boy Paul showed me firsthand what does it look like for long-stay burden-carrying? What a blessing he was to me. And what I learned from him, I've learned now to replicate and do as well. So we keep moving on to the scriptures here. And we go back to it and it says something unique about fulfilling the law of Christ. It says, so we carry each other's burdens in this way, fulfill the law of Christ. And I don't want to just jump over stuff and assume you know things because I had no idea what that meant. So I had to research it for you. Like the law of Christ. I've never heard of that term before. And what I found is it's the only place in scriptures that that term is used. So when, that, when it's used one time in scriptures, there's hundreds of smart people that have hundreds of different ideas. I pick the two I like the best. Two I like the best. The big idea of this is when Jesus came, he was asked questions a few times of summarizing all the Old Testament. Like what all the Old Testament says, all this stuff. Hey, Jesus, what do you think is the most important thing? And he says this in Matthew twenty-two, thirty-six 36 to 40. They said, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So this idea that we have here is that all of the Old Testament laws that were there, they're saying, what's the most important thing of all of them? It's like, okay, love God and love others. Love your neighbor. Okay, it's simple. Love. Love wins. Love God." love others. He summarizes everything. But then there's this other thought with something he taught we see in John 13, 34 to 35. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Jesus had this message of love, which is so contradictory to the teachings of the time of the Pharisees. The Pharisees were teaching the Old Testament way of this burden and the weight of doing all these things so God isn't mad at you. Jesus said, you're misunderstanding everything. All of these things, all the Old Testament laws were to show you you can't save yourself. Those things were there to show you that you need a Savior. I'm now here and I'm the Savior, so I'm giving you a new commandment, which is to love. Jesus said, and we talked about it two weeks ago, Jesus said, I didn't come to get rid of the old laws, I came to make them complete. So love is now the completion of everything. And so he summarizes it, and he addresses this. If you want to fulfill the law of Christ, either we take any of these verses, you want to fulfill the law of Christ, when you carry each other's burdens, you need to love your brother. Love. Love will go back to is gentle, is kind, is forgiving. All those fruits that we were talking about before, so we can see this mathematical problem coming together here as Paul is piecing together these different pieces of a puzzle. If you want to uh, carry each other's burdens, be kind, be gentle, be loving. And again, I can only speak to my friends who have pain, and I too have immense pain from people inside the walls who said, I do, I'm do, i a Christian, I go to whatever their words were, it wasn't matched up with the fruits of the Spirit. So friends, wherever you are right now, whatever story you have from the past, whatever story of hurt you have, if you have one, I'm going to ask something bold of you in terms of forgiveness. If they did not do it in the spirit, I'm asking you to let that go and forgive them. If it was not done the way that we've talked about with love and gentleness and kindness, That advice, those words, if it wasn't done the way God instructs us, forgive them and release it. Let it go, friends. It's going to haunt you and just keep to weigh you down, but understand they didn't do it right. If someone came to correct you in the spirit and you rejected it, I ask you to consider if they did it correctly, were they maybe showing me something in my life I didn't want to hear at that time? I wasn't ready to receive that message, which is also another way people that I don't want to hear about that right now. I want to do my own thing, right? But if someone didn't do it the way God calls them to, would you forgive them? Will you let them go and say, when someone approaches me at the fruits of the Spirit, the way I'm supposed to be confronted with my sin, and they love me through it, they walk with me through it, they take time with me through it, they don't say, okay, you're done, what's the next thing? They don't say, just go to a Bible study. They say, I will walk with you through this to the end. When someone does that, then you know it's being done the right way, according to Paul in the scriptures. But that, I'm a very impatient person. I'm assuming some of you are as well. And I'm like, okay, that's the next thing. Let's keep moving. I've had to learn over time that discipleship and living life with people is why churches exist, not creating Sunday gatherings. I love this. I'm glad you're here. I like songs and I'm talking a lot, and it's hot, right? But here's the thing. We exist to make disciples, and discipleship takes time. And discipleship usually starts with pain. It usually has some area of hurt, struggle, pain, past, that says, tell me more of how to be like Jesus. And that story is what we get to do. My favorite thing in the world is discipling people. I like talking. It's super fun. But I'd rather be discipling people. Because when I read my Bible, that's what Jesus told us to do. So when I look at this, if I'm not discipling this way, and if I don't do this right to you, you can call me out on it. If I'm not loving, if I'm not patient, if I'm not kind, if I'm not gentle, if I don't have self-control, you call me out. You call Nick out, you call anybody out. This is not the way God would do it. Think of how patient our God is with us, what he did to sacrifice for us that we have eternal life. Why can't we take our precious time to love people well, even through the hard things. Paul, as he's talking, moves on through this. And we could, there's so much richness in this passage, but I, I want to move on to a, a key point here when he talks about reaping what we sow. If you are into health and wellness, I don't know if you guys are health and wellness uh, fans or get into that or anything that you have to put work into, I think one of the most frustrating things about it is that it seems like you're always losing. And I, I'm in this, uh, this running group, and they talk in there, and someone's asking questions about their health and wellness. And someone said, I'm running all the time, but I keep gaining weight. Is this normal? And the person said, you can't outrun your fork. You can't outrun your fork. It's just the truth. Like, you got to look what you put in, because what I reap is what I sow. Yeah, I can go run 20 miles, but at the same time, I eat 10,000 calories of Big Macs. I'm not going to lose weight. It doesn't work that way. But what we reap is what we sow. And what in our spiritual lives, what we put into our lives is going to grow in you. What we put into our lives, because he has this warning. He says, friends, do not be fooled. Do not be mocked. If you're filling your life with the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God is going to grow out of you. Things are going to come out of you naturally. You're going to be different. You're going to be the one who loves when there's hate. The who forgives when there's struggles, you're going to look different. But at the same time, you throw that junk seed into your life, you know, the seed that's got some weeds, those weeds are going to grow. You're going to have a patchy lawn of a spiritual life. And friends who go through hard things and their worlds fall apart, the first question we got to look at is, what is growing in your life? What is the strength that you have in your life? Are you filling your life with that beautiful seed of God that is pouring into our life of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control? Are all these things are what we're filling our lives with? Or are we filling our lives with junk seed? Small, little, insignificant sins that don't matter. One by one by one. And then we ask the question, where did that come from? I didn't know that was there. When I do, uh, one of my favorite things of all is premarital counseling. I love it. It's so fun um, for so many different reasons, uh, whether they're young or older, first marriage, second marriage. It's really cool to be able to walk with people in their lives. And I say the same thing to everybody. And for those who've had this struggle through the pain of divorce, you know, understand this. And I tell this to these young couples. I say, nobody has ever sat in the chair across me and said, Jason, I can't wait for the day I get divorced. I'm so excited about the day. I mean, we'll get married, sure, but when we get divorced, that's going to be the happiest day of our lives. And so I asked him the question, "Why do you think people get there?" And usually there's uh, well, they didn't love well, and, you know, they've got some ideas. And I said, "Okay, I'm going to I want to give you a truth of what happens. There's a small crack that starts. Now, this is outside of the big bombastic things that, you know, divide people apart, you know, adultery or whatever. Like, this is divide that happens over time. There's a little crack and a little bit of something that, I just kind of talked to that girl at work because she's attractive, but I'm not going to really talk to her. There's a crack. And over time, that crack widens. With pressure, the crack gets wider. And as the crack gets wider, it gets bigger and bigger and harder and harder to come back to the center. Every little choice you make matters. Every little junk seed you throw into your marriage will choke it out. You have to put pure loving seed into your marriage to grow a pure loving marriage if you put junk seed in junk seed will grow what you reap or what you harvest is what you cast out or what you sow and so at the tender age of 20 something i scare them all to death but the truth is this it's truth it's one small compromise in relationship one small compromise in our spiritual life one small compromise in our job. One small compromise leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. And God says, God's not going to be fooled by your game. What you reap is what you sow. You sow to the spirit, you produce spiritual things. When you are sowing negative things, you grow negative things. Light message for a Sunday morning. But this is how Paul wraps this thing up. He brings it all the way home to say, friends, you've got to hear me don't grow tired of doing good. Because all this is happening, they have false teachers and they've got all this drama in the church. Like this was a super dramatic church. And Paul's trying to help fix all these things by giving them godly advice. He says, but don't grow tired. Don't grow weary. Keep fighting, keep fighting. Because when you fight and you sow the good seed, the harvest will be more plentiful than you can even imagine. The kingdom of God will come to earth and we will start to see what it means when Jesus said, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. as It is in heaven. It's a completely different environment. And though our world is not going to get better, the kingdom of God transforms the way we see it. Tough world is nothing new to Christians. It's been going on for 2,000 years. It's been going on different ways. Christians were killed simply because they said they followed Christ. They were fed to lions. They've gone through terrible things. We're just getting shaken because America's been winning for a long time. But we should not be surprised when hard things come because when we have the fruits of the Spirit growing us, we stand in the kingdom of God, strong and giving love into a world that so desperately, desperately needs to be loved right now. That's what they crave. It's what they desire. And we bring unity instead of division. That's the kingdom of God. So I want to close up with just three very clear themes that challenge us this week. I want you to take these words to heart because you have an opportunity to sow something different into the world. Don't think that it's my job to sow love into the world. Because if you do, we're going to fail. It's not Nick and my job to sow love into the world. It is our job together to sow love into the world. It is our job, our job together as the followers of Christ, united together together to sow love. Three things. First, when someone is making mistakes, love them and help them gently. Love them and help them gently. I don't know about you, but a harsh word always puts up my defenses. Like, oh, Jason, you're terrible. Like, oh, thank you. That's super encouraging. Like, nobody wants to hear that. But at the same time, if I'm making huge mistakes in my life and that crack is starting to grow in my life and a brother does not come alongside me and say, Jason, you got to stop, man, I got you, which my brothers have and different men in my life at different times, they see the crack forming, Mm got to fix that, and they love me gently, they've changed my life. That's discipleship. So you have this beautiful opportunity when people are making mistakes to love them and help them gently. Two, when people are hurting, carry the burden with them. As a typical dude, I have five things you can do to fix the problem. And my wife and I, uh, there's been times we have these conversations. She's like, I don't want you to fix it. I just want you to listen to me. And I'm sitting here like, "Yeah, huh I'm going to fix it. Like, just listen to me. I am listening. How to fix it. Like, I, got, I can fix this, right? Like, there's this fix-it mentality inside of me. And that's my natural go-to. And fixing it may be part of the story. But part of the story we don't think about is, what does it look like for you to help carry the burden with somebody? Walk with them one month, six months, a year, two years, five, ten? Would you be willing to love people through hardship and carry a burden with them no matter what? Think of how crazy that would be if you thought through something Once again, hard. thank you so much for listening. Low. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd they love walk. to connect with you at our weekly gathering. For service time, you directions, to learn more way. about our vision to ignite the love that Nick transforms our community and the world, visit time. us at MosaicWI.com. You say a lot of things. Because I know my man. I'm safe with him. And he's safe with me. Our struggles, what's been going on, what's in my mind. I want to quit. I love this. All those things happen every single day. Monday. I'm scared. I'm afraid. I'm happy. We can take the mountain. We've had this opportunity to be, because we're carrying the burden together through what it means to plant a church. Like, it is a joy to be able to have that. Friends, you can do that in other people's lives as well. When people are hurting, carry the burden with them. Finally, what we put in our lives will have results in our lives. What you put into your life will have results. What you reap is, what, what you sow is what you're going to reap back. Do you ever think about the fact that when you put destructive things in your life, you're filling yourself with destructive things, that destructive thoughts and destructive things would come out of you? I mean, kind of, that's how it goes. But if you put loving things, Spirit of God things, life transformative things, you give more out than you take in. You think community versus individual. You think tribal, like this is my tribe. I take care of my community. I love my community. Instead of just thinking about yourself, when you start to think a different way, you start thinking out versus in, you can change the world. So you have an opportunity literally today. You can go on social media and you can sow love. You can call friends and family members and sow love. You have the opportunity to be the fruit of the Spirit for people who are hurting. You have the opportunity literally today to forgive somebody. You have the opportunity today to be a peacemaker when there's drama. You have the opportunity to be the man and woman that Paul's called us to be, which isn't just a churchgoer, but a disciple of Jesus Christ that we can replicate who we are into the world. And there's never been a greater time, I would say. Never a greater time in all of our world, in all of America, that I have been a part of, Gen X for life. There's nothing that's been going on in my time. That love is more needed than right now. Will you sow love?